Hello, folks, and welcome back to John Guest Remembers, the weekly CCGF podcast chronicling the life and ministry of Pastor John Guest. We are nearing the end of season two of John Guest Remembers, as we now have just three episodes remaining. This week, we continue with John's remembrances of his installation and the forming of his team as he assumes leadership at St. Stephen's. Thank you for joining us as John Guest Remembers. Well, having become the rector of St. Stephen's, at least the announcement made, plans were made for my installation, which is a very special service. It's in the Book of Common Prayer that I'm inducted as the rector. Uh, Bishop Appleyard, who was the bishop in those days of Pittsburgh, came and spoke at my installation and conducted that. At one point, they uh, give me the keys to the parish. That's one of the ceremonial acts. Given a book of common prayer, given a Bible to preach, stole representing the sacraments that we're to administer, and the keys giving the in effect, the property leadership, the uh, authority to run the business of the church. I see that as the symbol for that. And in that drama, two things became pretty clear. One is that I had never ever run a parish before and was still, in many people's eyes, the youth minister and the kind of student evangelistic radical. So that left you know, that was an issue as people regarded me, looked at me. And the second was this, that uh, it was clear I'm go- I was going to need to build another team, another group of people around me who would support what I felt should be the ministry of the church. Although I had a lot to learn, I knew what the heart and soul of the ministry needed to be, and that was the preaching of the gospel, a clear a presentation of the need for Christ in our lives and in receiving him to be born again spiritually, to be made new, and in that then to uh, have a mission in life to serve Christ. And that would uh, radically, one person at a time, change the life of the church. Uh, I did not seek to change anything by way of the worship service. Uh, at that time, just to continue to preach the kind of preaching that had landed me with the job. Very early on, and the vote, by the way, was a six to three vote. It was a nine-person vestry and a six to three vote, which was the bare minimum of a two-thirds majority by which I was elected. And the three men, it was an all-men vestry in those days, The three men who had voted nay came in one at a time across the space of my first week into my office where I was now ensconced as the rector after I'd been uh, inducted and resigned, saying that they had voted against me and they thought it right that they should resign. And I said to each one of them, that's not fair. You've got to give me a chance. And I directly sought the changing of their minds to stay on the vestry. And that worked with two of them, Lou Favorite and Tom Pangburn. The third man, John Hutchinson, uh, said no, he needed to resign and he was going to leave immediately the parish and did. 
and uh, went down to worship at the cathedral in the city of Pittsburgh, the Cathedral Church of the Episcopal Diocese. The other two men stayed on. One of them became my junior warden, and Dick Means, who was on the vestry at that time, became my senior warden. And he was my selection. The people's warden, the junior warden, was elected by the vestry. And those two men were the senior authorities of the vestry, with myself chairing it as really the senior partner of, uh, as the leader of the vestry. And I immediately initiated a Monday morning breakfast with Dick Means and Lou Favorite, senior and junior wardens, to talk about the life of the parish, what I was thinking about, issues that they were aware of, and to seek their wisdom and advice in, in my leadership. And that turned out to be an amazing uh, decision and uh, a God-given wisdom by which those men became very much my friends and encouragers and supporters, because what it amounted to was I would talk with them about things I thought we needed to do. They gave me their particular wisdom on it, but then worked with me to get them done. And I remember Dick Means, who was president of uh, the Oliver Tyrone Corporation in downtown Pittsburgh, Lou Favorite was a senior vice president with Alcoa. So these were men of real leadership in the city. But Dick Means came with a, always seemed to have a used envelope that he took out of his pocket and jotted on the back of it the things that he was going to get done, maybe reminders of things that I said I was going to get done. And so for the then foreseeable future, down through the years, that was always my policy to meet on Monday morning with the two wardens, the rector's warden, the senior warden, and the people's warden, the junior warden, and have those kind of discussions. And all down through those 20 years at St. Stephen's, and now 25 years all told here at Christ Church, that had been my policy in leadership, to meet with the key players on the parish council, as we now call it at uh, Christ Church, and talk through the issues, staff, politics of the parish, the things that were going on, needs, finances, and so on. I remember my first vestry meeting that I was to turn up to, and uh, in effect chair, which was like a standing start. It came, seemed to come very quickly, and that was held on a Monday night. And that first Monday, I was still the youth minister running the youth program, and we had a meeting at, uh, in one of the homes, the Monday night meeting, and I forgot that the, the parish council meeting, the vestry meeting, was going on. And suddenly, in the middle of my talk, I realized I was going to be late. Thankfully, it was only about a block and a half from the church, but I said, I've got to go. And I shot out, still dressed like a youth minister, and ran to the meeting and arrived at the meeting late. And uh, Dick Means, senior warden, said to me at uh, our next private meeting, don't let that ever happen again. And uh, it never did. And of course, I became more and more well prepared for those meetings as I got into the leadership role of the rector. Now, the Lord gave me the wisdom not to do anything radical in terms of changing 
the Book of Common Prayer worship service, whether the way we vested, which was always very, very traditional, with a cassock and surplus and either a tippet if it's morning prayer or a stole if it's Holy Communion. We had a Holy Communion service, 8 o'clock every Sunday morning, always communion, always, uh, well, in those days, there was, there was only the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. There weren't any other advances in that field. And then we had morning prayer, the other Sundays of the month, except the first Sunday, when all services were communion, the first Sunday of each month. So once a month, at what was the 9.15 service and then the 11 o'clock service, we had Holy Communion. And I left that all very much the same. It's a beautiful service. And it's the one that I had been raised on once I became a believer in England. And they didn't sing the Psalms. They said the Psalms, but they sang the canticles, which are really Psalms set to chant as part of the worship service. So one was called the Vanity, and another the Jubilati. The Vanity, we praise thee, O God, we acknowledge thee to be the Lord. And that was sung in a kind of Anglican plain song. Similarly, the Jubilati, O be joyful in the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, and come before his presence with a song. And uh, occasionally, too, uh, what was normally an evening prayer canticle, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. In Latin, the nunc dimittis. Anyway, those are the opening lines of each, and they were sung. We always said the creed, and the communion service was said. We were a fairly low church compared to many of the Episcopal churches in the city or around the country. If you are enjoying this podcast, please let us know on our Facebook page. You can find more episodes of John Guest Remembers and Christ Church's other podcast, Our Church, Our Stories, on our webpage, ccgf.org, or wherever you find your podcast by searching for CCGF Talks. Thank you for listening.